Welcome to the final episode of Series 2 of the Dear Moving Podcast. In this series, we've been sharing stories of how people and partners across Greater Manchester are creating conditions for active lives for all. To round up the series, I've asked a couple of special guests to join me for today's episode to share their reflections on what they've heard. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. Today, I'm at the Greater Manchester Combined Authority on Oxford Road. I'm with Hayley Lever, Exec Lead for GM Moving and CEO for Greater Sport. We'll also be hearing from Justine, a Strategic Lead for Place at Sport England. I start by asking Hayley my favourite question, how does she like to move? So go on then, how do you like to move? Yeah, so uh, these days I would say that I need to move every day, ideally outside, even if that's in the pouring down rain or snow. So uh, the way I love to move now is to walk and to run and to, I like wild swimming. And I like to play sport still, like I've rediscovered a love of sport uh, for the way that helps me to just completely switch off from anything else that's going through my head and to play, uh, at the moment I play netball with my youngest daughter, which is real, you know, real joy to do something together. But how I, I guess how I like to move has, I'm really fortunate, I've been, that's been shaped by a long, you know, a long history in childhood and, you know, early adult life where I had really positive, really, really positive experiences of moving. I had the most fantastic primary school teachers, secondary school teachers, youth workers. I did all sorts of different things. You know, I went from gymnastics to some things I wouldn't care to mention, actually, like <laughs> twirling batons and things. But it basically, it was whatever was going on in our community, I did, I did it. So it was, you know, I played football. I was the first girl on the school football team, which I've forgotten about until recently. As I moved through my teenage years, what I did change, I remember the day somebody said to me, do you want to come to basketball club at lunchtime? And I didn't even know what basketball was, but I just said yes yeah. anyway. And our school, it was a five ten minute walk from the house it was open every single evening so it was a real community you know in the back in the days in Coventry I grew up so back in the days where uh, we had real really really good community education and the youth club was on the same site and so that was how I socialized and stayed active and it wasn't to stay active it was just what what we did you know because that was what was on offer and it was so freely available and local and we had amazing like sports centre in Coventry in the centre in the centre of the town and through the years you know sort of as a teenager you get your independence you're allowed to go on the bus into town so we would go swimming um, and go and buy chips afterwards or whatever with friends and it's how you kind of spread your wings was to be allowed to do that later on you know that centre I did all sorts I joined the gym there for a while so there was just there was lots of things to sort of choose from and I guess I was surrounded by people who like to spend their time that way as a Got older, I went travelling um, when I was like 18, 19 and hooked up with some friends and we decided we were going to cycle around New Zealand together and I suppose that was really, you know, and I did loads and loads of camping, I was away for about 10 months, did loads of camping, loads of travelling, loads of outdoor stuff and I remember thinking when I was sort of on the first bit of that trip that I sat and watched a sunset and I, and I remember thinking that's the first time I'd really... Mm-hmm ever sat and watched a sunset because we didn't grow up in an outdoors in a house full of outdoor enthusiasts but you know then I carried on that so into university years and, and later on into my early sort of career did more and more outside and then when I moved to the Peak District in 99 the big pull was to have all of that on your doorstep and then gradually as I had kids 
and I didn't want to travel an hour for a basketball match in Blackpool. So it became more and more about what was freely available on the doorstep to just go now because that's your window of opportunity. And the easiest things there were to run and cycle and to walk. And that's what I get most pleasure out of these days. Is But these days it's more... You know, it's for my kind of mental health and well-being, the cold water swimming. Uh, it's for the time with friends. It's time to unwind and switch off. And then I guess as the kids have got older and started to leave home, I'm starting to think more about performance again and trying to push myself a little bit more post-COVID. What kind of performance? Uh, I don't know if I have to say it out so loud. It's publicly now, this is oh. it. This well, I'm turning, this is the 50, I'm turning 50 in November and I have got a bit of a dream to, a target, sorry, not a dream, to do a marathon time, which I which I did back in when I was 30. <laughs> You're going to share this time with us. So I did a four hours and 15 marathon when I was 30. Um, I did actually do a three hours 48 one when I was 40, but I can't imagine being able to get back to that. But we'll see. Okay, um, so you heard so... it first, listeners. <laughs> so, There's um, a public yeah, commitment. I'm hoping to create a bit of time and space to train again and to as fit as I was 10 years ago. Fab. Well, those stories as examples of, um, yeah, the influence of teachers, because that's been a common theme, actually, through a lot of these podcasts, um, and also that, yeah, what's freely available on your doorstep that we're now striving to achieve for all young people yeah. across Greater Manchester. Yeah. So, And I hadn't realised that wasn't normal. So it's only since the kind of opening school facilities work yeah. and conversations online about what Coventry did, actually, during that, that era, I didn't realise was quite unusual. Um, I just took it for granted. So... Obviously, we've been listening to all people talk about the local pilot across Greater Manchester. Um, just tell us a little bit about your role and your relationship then with sort of place-based work in Greater Manchester. This has been lovely to think back on, actually, earlier today, just how uh, I moved from working in Derbyshire, where I've been working for a long time, into working in Greater Manchester in 2017. And that was in the middle of the local delivery pilot application process. So we were at expression of in- we've gone past expression of interest into stage two or whatever so the first one of my first sort of tasks and roles when I joined uh, GM Moving and and this place was to shape up you know what that looked like to gather the data and the evidence and the insight and engage with stakeholders and to do that whole design phase that led to the submission for Greater Manchester to be a local pilot and uh, and then I led the work then when it was successful and then uh, when we kind of went live with the work I led the work then for nearly another year before Richard came in and and took the strategic leadership role on so and I'd sort of forgotten (laughs) some of that you know that history so it was lovely to just think about where we were then the kinds of questions we were asking the aspiration we had the the first the design of the principles and how the different stakeholders around the group many of whom are still involved now brought such different things to that. You know, I remember clear conversations with colleagues from BCSE organisations who were, you know, really sort of pushing us and stretching and challenging to think differently and the public service reform principles that shaped shaped up the, the local delivery pilot and GM moving. So, so that was my role, really. So I kind of recruited the team, you know, with others. You know, we recruited the sort of core team, the central team. We put in place uh, the... They designed the process by which each of the localities shaped up their local engagement and plans and started to, you know, describe the journey they wanted to go on in each place. So it has been just amazing listening back to the podcasts from all of those people and places and thinking about that journey. It's been incredible, yeah. So sitting here now, looking back over this last five years, 
and listening in to those stories in the podcast? What, what are your key reflections? Well, first of all, I think the process, the, the work that has gone on to interview all of these people uh, over a number of months and create the space to tell the stories of the work in the way that you have done has been just brilliant to listen to. And every time the next one's come out, I feel, oh, I can't wait to listen to this one. Because I know these people, I know the, you know, the work that's gone in over the years in, in each of the localities and across the sort of central team and across, you know, the GM space. And, you know, and it has had, it's been a rocky road and there's been some moments where you've really had to kind of hold your nerve and, and go, yeah, no, no, let's stay, stay true to these principles. Let's stay true to the trusting the process and the journey that we're on. It hasn't been easy because everything about it has felt radically different uh, to the last 20 years of my career before that. So first of all, it's just been great to have these little moments where I've been walking on the hill with my headphones in, listening and just laughing and and cringing and you know, sort of <laughs> wincing and well, remembering the story. Absolutely, yeah. so it's been brilliant. Um, and, and I think the evaluation one probably stands out in my mind as that that definitely sort of created that conditions for me to think about the journey because you know even Tim and Katie um, and Hazel to a degree have you know articulated really well there in their their journey you know when from when they first got involved in this work and how they've had to think and do things differently and what they've learned over the time so that one really stood out uh you know in, in my mind because it spoke to me about from those early days of when we were filling in an application form and taking people on visits around you know greater manchester to where we are now how much the approach has evolved and matured and developed and how hard that has been especially when you stick a pandemic in the middle of it as well so so Tim talked uh, quite a bit in there and Katie about how it's difficult but worthwhile and how um, people that they recognize just how people are energized here to do things differently and to stay true to the principles and the ways we, we work in and how I think the thing that made me a bit emotional was the sense of like having to hold accountability for stuff that you have absolutely no control over, yeah. even more so than in a pandemic. Because it's one of the things with Sport England in the first place with Greater Manchester is should it be a local delivery pilot because it's so big. You know, it's such a big place, a big system, and by far the biggest uh, local pilot. And we, you know, we were absolutely clear, yes, this is a place that we can test this out because we've got all of these layers from neighbourhoods and localities and then the GM space. Well, that, obviously, that means there are, there's lots that you're not in control of. But you, I have felt personally responsible for and accountable for, probably more so than I should. But that's just my way. So when Tim talked about that, I definitely had a moment. Um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, it has felt like that. And like I said, especially during the pandemic. And then the, the other catalyst one, so the engagement one and the leadership, people in leadership one, just really made me smile. Um, they articulated really well how far people right across Greater Manchester have come in this work uh, in terms of a real genuine deep understanding of what what really good engagement is and you know you never hear people talking about consultation and you know surveys anymore you know that has been a five-year journey and and the people leadership side of things is at the end of the day all of this all of GM moving all of the local delivery pilot is about people people learning to do things differently and behave differently and lead differently, myself included, and everyone around. So uh, so to see the the clarity with which uh, those two podcasts kind of Claire and Kat describe 
what they're doing, why they're doing it the way they're doing it, how they're doing it, and what they are seeing along the way is, was just great. You know, it just really showed the sort of maturity of how far it's come. Um, and then the other, the final catalyst one, the marketing communications one, is something that I feel like I've been a real stuck record on the importance of narrative and the articulation of the work, how important that is to culture change, how important that is, uh, all the stuff that Nikki Hawkins talked about. It's not all about the stories of people and their journey through change and their behaviour change. It's about how is the system creating the conditions for that change and what are the stories we're telling that bring that to life. And she challenged us even in the podcast to go, right, we're not there yet. <laughs> you know, you, you've come this far and it's brilliant to see it all in action, but you still tend to do this and actually you need to take yourselves a bit further. It's and, a bit push, wasn't there? Yeah, for it was. And to yeah, embrace the power that, you, yeah. that narrative and stories have. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think we need to, I know this happens all the time, but we need to relearn things we've already learned so that they are going to help us with the next phase we're in now. So if I think about all the work we're doing around health integration now, there are things that we've learned and we've applied in other contexts, and then we need to really pay attention to them now and, you know, and test ourselves and challenge ourselves to go further with it um, and not forget what we've already learned so, and I think they all, all the podcasts sort of remind me of that as well. I mean, they all made me smile a lot, all of them. And um, and the people are just brilliant as well. And then the localities, it just was brilliant to hear all those different voices, like all the ways that people describe their relationship with movement themselves and the questions you start with about um, struck me was probably, on balance, probably at least half, if not more, hadn't had the most positive experiences in early years and early childhood around PE and sport and things and that says so much I think about why these are the kind of right people to do this work because you need that balance that you need you need the people who've always had that passion for sport and physical activity I need people in the network who are going no that's not how it was for me that's not how I experience it and and the courage to you know and create spaces which I think the team have done amazingly well to create these environments in which it feels like a really collaborative, trusted network of people who are learning together and aren't competing with each other and they're not, um, which isn't how it felt at the very beginning. If I'm honest, you know, if I go back to when I first came, there was an, all around the country such a long uh, history of being made to compete with each other for things. Um, and so it's just been amazing to see how each of the localities has grown and developed and dealt with its own unique opportunities, challenges, um, the journey it's on from the time when the first plans were written through to trying to make that happen in practice and tweaking it along the way and dealing with the pandemic and how there's been so many unintended consequences, good ones, about how the principles and the ways working are kind of bleeding out into local systems in in weird and wonderful ways and and how the pandemic ironically helped to accelerate some of that and strengthen some of that and and the voices of the people going back to the you know this is all about the people and how they lead when I think about some of the people who were around at the beginning and the way they talk about the work now with the real clarity and confidence and conviction of what matters and what they hold on to as being important in the work is just brilliant and just stories of the people in the communities you know, living more active lives, which is what it's all about. Um, you know, in the end, it's about how 
how people are living more active lives and that sort of being able to see how this work is creating conditions for that is just amazing. It's uplifting, isn't it? Yeah. Once I've got over the initial cringing at hearing my own voice, I have, <laughs> I have listened to a number of them, you know, two or three times now because those stories just remind you what it's all about. Definitely. I think the other thing I would say is even on the podcast, and this is the bit where I sort of take a bit of a de- deep breath because I could, I knew that somebody was about to share one of the biggest challenges they've had or one of the things that have been difficult and some of the places where we get stuck. And that's something that, you know, we we strive so much to create the conditions for that level of honesty. And because if we're not talking about the things that get in the way, then we're certainly not even beginning to change them. But even then I found myself on the podcast going, oh, what are they going to say? How are they going to upset? You know, because it's still there. That's so deeply ingrained, isn't it? And it's not personal, but it is like we're about to air our dirty laundry on a live podcast, okay? <laughs> and it is yep. goes back to holding nerve, you know, holding nerve and know this is the right thing to do and trust people to tell the story in a way that's, you know, that's still... It might be surfacing challenges, but it's also got full of hope and optimism and you know, positivity as well. So, yeah, it's just been brilliant. I don't think people would have been able to share that a couple of years ago, share those stories in the way that they were sharing them quite comfortably and authentically, really, which Mm. has been a a joy to sit and listen and quiz because people have, they've arrived, you know, with those conditions ready and, you know, used to just talking very freely about what's working, what's not working. Um, because that's what the local pilot has created the space to do that hasn't it really so it's made it's made my job easy (laughs) so thank you very much to all involved in all of that um, in those conversations so what next well there's a bit of a bridge there actually just to go back to what you were saying there because I think that's something else that's really important is that it models a way of being that's different. So actually the fact that you could even sit and do these podcasts and have that level of openness is those people have encouraged to model what we could all be more like. Um, and that and the broader point about the so the what next in terms of the local delivery pilot and GM moving um, and you know place based whole systems ways of working is what I hear, and I don't necessarily think other people get to hear this so much, but everywhere I go around the Greater Manchester system and then sort of in other places around the country and beyond this, people can see the relevance of the the ways of working, the learning, the journey, the fact that it is shared quite openly and in real time and the stories of the work are told in the way they are makes it more visible, like makes the invisible stuff more visible and then that really helps other people in other agendas or policy areas or parts of the country to go, oh, that's normal then, that's a pattern I experience, that's something I'm experiencing here and then how do we go about, you know, working it through. So so one thing about the Where Next is through things like this podcast and other things, how we keep sharing the journey and the learning in ways that support other people and other places who are on who are trying to work more like this and how we get the create the environment where that comes back as well and that we're constantly learning from others. So, you know, for example, learning from the other place-based, um, the other local pilots, the other place-based kind of work that's going on around the country in the physical activity space, but also in other agendas as well. So the way next is that it's always going to be a learning journey. It's never, oh, the evaluation's done now, it's finished, and what you know, it's tick the box. Um, it's it's like an evolution of an approach. 
and then and then I think the other thing is like you know post covid and in this first year of the implementation of the GM moving strategy it's just been amazing to see how energized people you know people are still for the for the agenda how localities are localizing the strategy you know with Stockport moving and Salford about to launch their new strategy this month so seeing that translation of uh, a whole system approach to physical activity in every single place across Greater Manchester like you can't separate out anymore the different strands of work you know so the work that's going around the pivot to active well-being and community leisure can't be separated out from the local delivery pilot work can't be separated out from health integration work it is you know, it's all interconnected. But I think the lo- just specifically on the local pilot side of things is how we make sure that the deepening of the work that has been started, and it is just starting because change happens in generations, doesn't yeah. it, as well as it happens in years. So how do we just keep deepening the work in the places so that the, the impact of the work is felt in every single community across Greater Manchester and we are designing creating the conditions for active lives for all in every single neighbourhood mm. as a whole system at that layer. So it so the work continues. The where next is about deepening the work, it's about making sure that we're learning from other places and it's making sure that we continue to learn and notice what's making change happen and be really honest with ourselves about you know where we need to work harder, do things differently. Ultimately, it's, you know, we know we've got a whole network of people who are massively influencing, you know, for this agenda across the whole of Great Manchester, you know, and we've got believers and spark plugs. We talk about all these kind of sort of things that we, how we describe it. We we need everybody, you know, we need everybody in Greater Manchester to be supporting people to move more, whether that's in their community and their job, in their school or wherever. And we can't say we've done it until... So until you're not, hanging, you're not going to hang your coat up then and say, job done? <laughs> no, no? no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're going to continue learning, we're going to continue deepening and spreading and growing and being honest and being open on the way and sharing our learning with others. Is there anything anything else, I suppose, anything that you, you hope for in the next couple of years in this next stage of the journey? What's been fascinating to me is the podcasting journey and how and some of the work we've been doing recently where we are becoming researchers in our own work so interviewing colleagues and bringing people together for conversations and um, drawing the stories out of people because if actually going back to Nikki Hawkins point is if you can't describe if you can't articulate the change that's happening in the system in order to create the conditions for active lives for all then you're not really capturing the essence of what's you know what's going on um, and I think there's real value in creating the time and the space to hear from each other and to share with each other so that that, that is how you, you know, so that we, and then so that we notice, well, what does that take of me as a leader? What kind of capabilities and skills and approach do I need? And that the investment in the people um, is so key for the future. You know, we've got to keep building the capability and capacity of people in the system in order to do more and go further and deeper and all the rest of it. So I wonder, for example, you know, from all the people who've done the podcasts, where who have they sent it to? Who, you know, who's listening? Who are they going, you know, have people in locality teams gone back and put it in front of, you know, people in their system locally and gone, you need to listen to this. This is what we've been doing. Because there's a lot that's invisible, isn't there? 
in all of our work. So this is just a way of making it more visible. I'd love to sort of, you know, challenge ourselves to think about, well, who else needs to hear these stories? Um, the Catalyst ones, they're widely relevant. So the marketing comms one or the people leadership one, they're not just relevant to physical activity sphere, are they? They're widely relevant. The evaluation one is relevant to anyone who's doing evaluation in complex systems. So I think there's a where next in terms of how we, like with all the evaluation and learning, how we translate it into lots of different formats, make sure it reaches different audiences, make sure it's translated into action and it's a learning tool so that people, because I've listened to them and it's made me go, oh, I need, oh yeah, I need to remember that. Oh, I need to think differently about that. So, and if, if I listen to them over again, I'd get something different from them. So, you know, it's been an amazing investment in everybody's time to produce them. So, yeah, that's the, that's the other thing I would like to see uh, them used and heard by people who need to hear them. Excellent. I look forward to hearing who you've shared this podcast with then after we've recorded it. Um, and I think that point around probably the single key thing that I heard the most throughout all the conversations of the importance of the space and time that, that the local pilot has afforded people to to grow their own, to reflect, to stop, to to think about what they're doing, to be open, to be honest, find their own voice, use their own voice, be researchers in the work. Um, and possibly part of the next challenge is what you spoke to then, is then feeling comfortable in in being more vocal about that and in sharing it further. Because I think a lot of people have got more comfortable within a certain safe space of having those conversations, but still find it hard to go, okay, I am now going to share this with lots of people. Um in spaces that maybe you don't know who's listening or what they're going to think or what they're going to make of it. So, yeah, being unapologetic then about sharing that learning further afield is probably a challenge for all of us in 2023. Yeah, definitely is. I mean, that's what's been lovely is to hear people laughing and enjoying it when I know that they'll have come in nervous, worried about what they're going to say, how it's going to, you know, who's going to hear it. And, I mean, young laughing, but I'm not the best at sharing and certainly not listening back to my own stuff but actually you need to because one thing that stood out to me over and above everything else is just how clear and compelling every single person story has been yeah. um just amazing yeah. you know it's not like we've trained people in in podcasting they're just telling the story and yeah. so it's and it has been just so clear so people should be proud of yeah. what they've done and, and how they've told the story that's something about the depth i think then of the, of the work because it's because people are being able to just genuinely, I mean, they've just, everyone sat in, in these chairs and it's just flown because it's the, it's come from, well, it's come from their heart, it's come from them, um, the such authenticity and integrity in, in the work. They're not telling somebody else's story, they're telling, they're sharing their own experiences. And that, with a little bit of time and space, comes easily, doesn't it, really? So mm-hmm. it's been, yeah, it's been a joy. It's been a joy throughout. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad we got to have this conversation and look back over the last few months and what we've heard. Podcast hops. Here's to what's next. (laughs) Fabulous. Thank you very much. I am so pleased we got to hear some reflections from Hayley on this series. 
having been involved in the local pilot journey from the very beginning. I'm also delighted I got to have a quick conversation with Justine from Sport England, who has been involved for even longer than Hayley. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't get her to uh, the combined authority in time for us to have a shared conversation, um, but I might check in with her online via Zoom. And as ever, started off by asking her how she likes to move. Well, currently, (laughs) mainly on a bike. And that's partly because I seem to have very dodgy knees now, being 52. Um, My preferred would be to whack a pair of trainers on and just run out the door because that's quick and easy. But I have returned to a bike and, yeah, there's a lot of joy in that, actually. Um, I think, yeah, I've always liked to move. And I think when I was very young I think I realized that it was probably an area where I could excel and probably where I gained quite a lot of self-esteem and resilience from and then yeah more joy I think probably from playing team sport and probably being involved in lots and lots of different teams and and I think that took me towards a career in sport and physical activity which started with probably what was quite an obvious route for an awful lot of people that are interested and fairly competent in terms of sport into PE teaching and I guess I was really lucky in that I had a context or a a living in a location in North Wales where I had the great outdoors on my doorstep and I had PE teachers who a had a real passion and love for the mountains for being outdoors and were able to share that and to and to provide that in the natural opportunity um, that I that I grew up in. So yeah, it's always been a passion. And I think as I've got older, I realised that if I don't get out and I don't move, I'm quite grumpy. I'm probably not great to live with. So uh, yeah, so I love being outside. It would have felt very strange, would have felt wrong really to finish this series about the local pilot without hearing from you because um, your role has been really key, really, in supporting the Greater Manchester local pilot. So can you just explain to listeners a little bit about yeah, who you are, what your role is and relationship is with the local pilot in Greater Manchester? So I uh, work at Sport England. Uh, we're an arm's length government body providing opportunities in sport, physical activity and movement for the general population, for what we would probably class as grassroots sport. I am the strategic one of the strategic leads in the place directorate, which uh, means that I hold the relationship with Greater Manchester. I guess in terms of going back in time, I started at Sport England in 2014. I've always had a, a, a responsibility and relationship for Greater Manchester. And I guess that built from an early relationship in terms of, um, I guess, local government relationship to really looking quite deeply at what it would take to shift the population at scale from being inactive to to active. And I guess we did that by running some commissioning projects back in sort of 2015, 2016. And that led us on a journey with, with Greater Manchester to signing a memorandum of understanding in 2016 and then ultimately going on a a, a sort of year 18 month journey 
of then deciding that we were going to work very differently as an organisation with with people in place. And that led us to um, a programme that many people are aware of now called the Local Delivery Pilots, of which Greater Manchester became one of those and is in fact the largest. Um, So I have responsibility for, um, for that local delivery pilot, but also more broadly, for the relationship with Greater Manchester, with GM moving, and then ultimately linked through the the MOU to uh, the Combined Authority and the Health and Social Care Partnership um, and everything else that um, occurs in the place, really, that we see as an opportunity or um, a connection um, to the work, which largely and feels more lately to be absolutely anything and everything. So having been on this journey since 2014, it'd be good to just hear any key kind of reflections you have really from listening in to this last series. Yeah, so so I find it fascinating and I love that opportunity sometimes to step outside of the work. Sometimes when you're in it on a day-to-day basis, it can feel hard and it can feel challenging. And I think the series in terms of the podcast is fantastic because it gives you that opportunity not only to step outside and look at where we've come from and what we're doing and the impact that that's having, but also it gives me a great opportunity to keep going back and listening to the language and the words that people use, which I think are are really key in this work. So I've known many of the individuals involved in that work since 2014, some of them even before that. A key reflection in listening to all the different people in the series is how people have grown as individuals and how people have changed and how they have developed. And I think we talk a lot about systemic change, whole system change, place-based working. I think sometimes that creates a bit of a fog for other people who are out on the outside of the work or close to the work but not in it to really understand what it means. And I think a lot of what systemic change really is place-based working is is in the people it's in the changing behaviors and attitudes and how people think behave and act is really key to the work so I think that's a major overall reflection for me in terms of in terms of what we've learned I think the other thing that came across really strongly and the catalysts for change in terms of the work stand out for me as being really key and stand out across our 12 local delivery pilots in lots of ways in that they enable the work to happen. They are the things that are the glue, if you like, for us to be able to learn from the work, to be able to talk about the work, to be able to um, engage differently in the work. And I think the other thing that stands out in just all of that is how setting the ground and taking the time and a lot of the pilots will tell us that having the time and space to do the work right and to do it in the most appropriate way for the people in the place takes time and giving that time um, to set the ground to build principles together to co-design um, is, is really is really fundamental to the work because that allows us all and, and we talk about moving as one and working as one and being one to build the trust the trust underpins everything that that we do and you can feel just in the conversations that you've been having with different people how that trust has grown in each other and and for and in the work Fantastic. So the ground is set. 
So where do we go from here? What are your aspirations then for the future of the local pilot in Greater Manchester and for place-based working more generally? I think that the, that the work grows and deepens. Um, I think that that is 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 probably <laughs> it's easy to say and and probably sounds quite simplistic in lots of ways, but that that is fundamentally key. And I think for us, from a, a Sport England perspective, um, we have not ever committed to a project or programme and I, and I don't really like talking about the local delivery pilots or our place-based working as a project or programme but fundamentally it is and um, we've never been committed beyond three four years before to anything so working with places like Greater Manchester and um, going beyond four or five years for me is really exciting on a personal level because I've been on the other side of the fence working in a local authority, working on short-term projects and programmes, and then you're scrabbling around looking for more finance to, to, to continue that. And I think what we're looking at here is how do you grow and deepen the relationship beyond four or five years? How do you grow and develop the work beyond four or five years? I think there's also on the flip of that for me that that we've made massive strides forward and I can feel that and see that in in the conversations that you've had and in listening to lots and lots of others across the across the local delivery pilot work I think it's fragile so I think there is something about how we now really work collectively both from a GM perspective but also nationally with with the 12 and with some of the other places that we have been working with um, to really understand what it takes to embed this work, to grow and develop this work further and also build in the sustainability. We've talked about sustainability, I guess, in terms of projects and programmes for many years. It's always been the thing that people wrestle with at the end of the application form. Oh, how, how are we going to achieve that? But actually, there's something here about really listening to some of what Richard was saying around how now we work together. And the localities really understanding that they need to take that on and that we need to support them in doing that in their places. And how do we wrap ourselves into really supporting people who are holding this space at all layers of the system to, to grow and, and, and deepen this? I guess more broadly in terms of our aspirations from a Sport England point of view, yes, we've 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 had a great experience I would say of working with 12 places now we are looking at what does it mean to expand that how do we shift to work in more places but also how do we continue to learn and and understand and continue to be alongside those those 12 places so there's there's some really exciting opportunities here in terms of how we work. There's also something really fundamental for us about understanding what it means to be a national organisation to enable local work to happen and for things to, to work really well for people at a local level. Um, and I'm excited about that opportunity for more of my organisation to be able to be part of Um at a time what in a way that feels really right for us as part of our implementation plan as we're moving forward place-based working is a really significant part of that and therefore there's a really significant focus and opportunity for us as well great so we're spreading and growing and deepening 
And is there, I guess, is there a particular indicator um, that you'll be looking for, let's say, in another you know, couple of years, really? Anything that you would be looking for that would suggest that we've continued to head in the right direction? I suppose one of the strongest indicators for us would be that when you when you kind of cross the border into any part of Greater Manchester, that moving and seeing people moving and feeling that people move are moving is significantly greater, higher, um, obvi- more obvious. That that's the ultimate test, isn't it? That that it that that being physically active is a very normalised part of life and that it is part and parcel of what we do. I think in terms of other other indicators that that the language and the the way people talk about um, the work has spread further and more across the system and that I think that more strategic leaders are talking about the value of being physically active would also be um, a real strong indicator that this has had um, a positive impact and success. And, and I think in Greater Manchester, you're probably more at the forefront of some of that. But as I said before, I think a lot of this is fragile and it's in the people who are in the work at the moment. And I think where we've got to get to is that this is with more people at more layers of the system so that it becomes far less fragile sounds good to me so that's a wrap thank you for listening to this gm moving podcast series over the course of the series we've heard how moving matters to everybody and of the many different ways people like to keep moving We've also heard how we can all play a role, both as individuals and organisations, to design moving back into everyday life for all. Whilst this series has come to an end, the conversation and work continues. So whoever you are, wherever you are, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, we're on Facebook and Twitter, just search Greater Sport and use the hashtag GeoMovingInAction. Please do continue to share this series with people and organisations who will find it useful. A big thank you to everyone who's been involved in the making of this podcast series to include the wonderful Vic and the Mike Media Production team. And so, what's next, I hear you ask? Well, our next podcast is going to focus on how people are working together in Greater Manchester to make our streets and public spaces more welcoming, safe, joyful and active for all, with a particular focus on women and girls. More information is available on the GM Moving website. Just search Right to the Streets. The new podcast will be live in the spring. Until then, I wish you all well, and I hope to see many of you at the GM Moving Conference on the 3rd of February. Ta-ta!